Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. is over but we have to go back down the hatch here on post show recaps with a down the hatch holiday special for 2022 hello everybody i'm josh wiggler joined here by the man coming down the chimney it's mike bloom ho 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 please uh my those days are over josh i'm no longer a man ho uh mm-hmm. yeah i'll admit when you sent me a file that said dth-holiday-special-baby i got very very nervous uh-huh. but 
this is by far one of the lowest ranking outcomes that I could have possibly imagined. So I'm happy about that. Unfortunately yeah. for Claire's sake. Uh, really sad for uh, Santa. They took my baby. Uh, but really happy for all of us here that, look, another year down, Mike. We made it. We made it one more year, one more Christmas into this thing. And if you can believe it, I had actually forgotten that it was to the day, basically. That was a year ago that our eight-hour extravaganza talking about the end, the series finale of Lost, we released that about a year ago, Down the Hatch has survived all this time. Can you believe that? That's a Christmas miracle. It did feel, in a manner of speaking, that the finale coverage was a bit like our graduation and that this was sort of like our gap year, in a manner of speaking, trying <laughs> to kind of figure ourselves out, right? Because we did... The countdown for basically Did you say happier? gap year or dap year? Like, are we dapping? What's dapping? Yeah, it's like a thing you do with your hand, I think. It's like a thing. No, I don't know. We're... Dab in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what a dapping is then. I think it's is... like Dapper Dan's. Yeah, what is it to dap? Dapping. Dapper Daniel Widmore. Uh-huh. Dapping. Uh, fish by letting the fly bob lightly on the water without letting the line touch the water. I think in a sense we've been dapping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know how much water we've been touching. We certainly haven't been touching grass this entire year, Josh, uh -huh. considering how we've kept this podcast yeah. going through a couple of different experiments. As we mentioned, the episode countdown in which we not only counted down the episodes of Lost as rated by you, me, and the listeners of Down the Hatch, but also re-listened to episodes of Down the Hatch to try to guess where the episodes would place, but we also embarked upon our next, you know, uh, journey into the unknown in the form of heroes. And I feel like that's going to be represented nicely in this podcast as we sort of have a fun little mishmash of things covering lost heroes and perhaps some other stuff. Yes, I think as Mike and I were talking, we wanted to do a holiday special here on Down the Hatch this year. In a sense, Mike, I think as we're talking this through, it's almost a little bit of a 2022 in review hybrid for Down the Hatch uh, as we are looking back on the year that was for this podcast alongside all of the other 2022 in review podcasts we've been doing on Post Show Recaps all month long. It's been a really fun series, by the way. I've been having a really good time with that. I hope people out there have been listening. It's been very, very fun to look back on a bunch of these shows and what they were, uh, what they meant to us in this past year. Oh, absolutely. And it's definitely a reminder as to what shows were happening mm -hmm. this year, right? Like, oh, Euphoria, that happened this year, just as a nice reminder. And yeah, even sometimes as I'm making my way through the hero stuff, I forget that we only started the countdown this year. That was 2022. Yeah, that was 2022. That was back in uh, in February where we launched. We took most of January. January was a gap month until we came back gap with, the, month, please. with the team with the team behind the curtain uh, with Ben and Brendan uh, hopping down through the chimney, uh, aka the pneumatic tubes. That's how Santa does it here on Down the Hatch. My God, uh, it's like the Santa Claus. Uh, talk about Elizabeth Mitchell where he had to like. <laughs> squeeze through the small pipe with the CGI. By the way, it really ends up being like a very Santa Claus heavy uh, couple of weeks here on Down the Hatch. I'd forgotten about the Santa Claus tie-in for one of the things that we have to talk about today. Uh, but yeah, there's just been a lot throughout the year where we came back at the end of January talking to Ben and Brendan about their experience helping to build Down the Hatch and uh, the essential work that they did to make this podcast possible. 
Then we did the countdown. Then we started off on Heroes. And here we are at the end of the year. And it's been a blast. It's been very, very different from what we were doing with the Lost Rewatch, obviously. But having this weekly opportunity to talk with you, Mike, and all the shenanigans we get to do with the Hatchlings, it's just been a blast. So uh, first of all, thank you, everybody, for the year-long holiday gift that was keeping the lights on here on the Christmas tree known as Down the Hatch. Absolutely. Thank you for keep pressing the button on your subscription feed uh, <laughs> to make sure that you keep listening to the podcast. Every Some of them week. are like unsubscribing, then like feeling bad and resubscribing and doing that all over again on a loop. Do you think that would have worked for Desmond that it was like, oh, no, I forgot the button. Oh, well, I'll just push it, you know, more frequently next time. I feel bad. I'm it's making possible. more planes crash. Yeah, it's possible. Who knows how many uh, planes crashed before we got Oceanic 815 on, on the island. Uh, but we've got a lot to do today. We wanted to return the thank you with a really silly episode of Down the Hatch, where I think in the spirit of looking to the past, there is some degree to which we are embodying the holiday spirit on Down the Hatch today, where we are talking about Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future as we have some things to we have a a whole litany of time travel to to do here on the podcast today and it feels fitting right because I was actually thinking about this I do feel like you can map lost characters onto the Christmas Carol ghosts oh did you do that real quick well I think Ghost of Christmas Past is clearly Walt uh, mm-hmm. Hell, he's taller ghost Walt so it makes sense that he's one of the ghosts considering that the Ghost of Christmas Past is childlike I mean there is no better person or character in the history of mankind to represent the ghost of Christmas present than Hugo Hurley Reyes. Sure, yeah. Absolutely personified. And then Ghost of Christmas Future, I think, could be the smoke monster. I think so, yeah. Or could be Mr. Echo in, like, the first third of season two where he didn't talk. Yeah, I think, the, I think like, the non-special smoke monster, right? Like, smoke monster before he's Titus Welver, before he's Terry O'Quinn. I think, like, when he's the cloud of smoke before he's inhaled by Snoop Dogg, I think that that's <laughs> the ghost of Christmas Future. Yeah, I think that makes sense, right? The foreboding death and, and sense of mystery as well. Who's By the way, Scrooge? Is it Jack? Um, I do. Th- I mean, considering his journey, yeah. I would imagine it is Jack. Though I feel like Locke obviously has the age and the more miserly thing. TOQ actually would make an interesting Scrooge. But isn't, uh, isn't uh, Locke actually Tiny Tim with the crutches? Oh, that's true. After the the thing comes down on his leg, and yeah. that well, I think definitely Ben is Bob Cratchit. Uh huh. <laughs> like, yeah. just imagine Michael Emerson with those little glasses, being like, "Mr. Scrooge, please, I've got to get home to my family. I've brought dinner rolls." And then I think Christian Shepherd is probably Jacob Marley, uh, like the thing that's haunting Jack this whole time. Yeah, that's interesting. Of just like his specter that's been following him. Of mm-hmm. uh, look what I did, and now I'm rattling these chains in the afterlife. Or is it Locke and Anthony Cooper? Is Jacob Marley? I think that Jacob Marley, once his spirit is liberated from uh, the curse of being a ghost around Ebenezer Scrooge, maybe that's Richard Alpert because it's good to see him out of his chains. Ah, that's very true. Uh, now that's Sawyer, a paper towel. So- Sawyer is definitely Fred, right? The churlish. Nephew. Fred, is there someone named Fred in a yeah, Christmas Fred, Carol? Yeah, Fred is Scrooge's nephew who, when during Christmas present, like uh, him and his wife and all his friends mock uh, Scrooge at the party. Have you, how much Christmas Carol have you delved into? I guess Josh? it's been a minute since I've Christmas Caroled. I was uh, like, I was like following year, along. I was following along household, until Fred. Muppet Christmas Carol non-stop so i know the story of a christmas carol very very well um what if, if it was a, a hybrid of lost characters and muppets 
I mean, it's all under the same umbrella at this point. So, so I suppose yeah. it's an inevitability. And I guess it's tough because Hurley would be the ghost of Christmas present, but he'd also be a fantastic Fezziwig, which mm -hmm. was uh, Scrooge's old boss in the past. Oh, uh, Fezziwig's a great name. I mean, should I be Josh Fezziwiggler? Oh, you should be. Yes, yeah. and you have that spirit to you as well. Yeah, and I feel like uh, like uh, uh, Fozzie uh, is sort of like my Muppet analog, and I have to imagine that it was Fozzie Bearwig. And yeah, if it, it wasn't, then they really screwed up. No, it was Fozzie Wig. It was Fozzie yeah, Wig's rubber chicken factory. Yeah, good. Good to know. Good to know that they got it. Like, that was right there, and if they had missed that, that would have been a problem. No, they, they got that low-hanging fruit, and they plucked it with those uh, arms on rods. Well, look at us sidebarring and falling apart as we normally do here on Down the Hatch. But the spirit of Christmas remains. And I think the idea of past, present, and future. This is how we wanted to structure the holiday special here, Mike, because we have some business from uh, Down the Hatch past that we still have to take care of. We want to address the current situation here on Down the Hatch by bringing heroes into the mix and then we want to look ahead at a possible future for down the hatch so we're going to hit all three of those posts here on the podcast today i don't think we've got any lost adjacent mccormick material to get into today mike unless you have a surprise for me no i think everyone kind of took a holiday break in a manner of speaking uh i've stopped tracking the lost references on the santa claus so i think the santa claus is finished maybe again i didn't okay. finish the series so i have no idea well, I hope that it did, because uh, the timing would be really awkward if it continued past Christmas. I, I mean, I don't know. You I never guess Santa know. has other stuff to do other than just Christmas, but what are you going to do? You're just going to watch him, like, sleep? Take a nap? Yeah, it could be like the Yule Log, right? Just a 24-7 feed of Santa sleeping for the other 364 days of the year. So, totally possible. Uh, so we've got three different things that we want to do here today. Uh, no adjacent McCormick section. The first thing that we want to do is, Mike, when we wrapped up our, la uh, our lost coverage last year, uh, our last coverage lost, lost year. Lost year. Uh, we wanted last to year, aka what 2020 and 2021. According we don't want to talk about those. coming out of the pandemic. <laughs> coming out, we don't want to talk about those. We don't talk about that anymore. Uh, that in the last year, as we were getting to the end of the Lost rewatch, one of the things we wanted to do was to talk through the immediate reunion of the cast that followed the ending of Lost. It aired on ABC. It aired on Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel got many of the cast members of Lost together to talk about the end of the show for a really bizarre holiday special in its own right uh, a variety show touching on the ending of lost but really kind of just like shit posting its way through a reunion special like one of the stranger survivor reunions that i have seen in my time mike and, and that is saying something considering during one survivor reunion sia stormed the stage and <laughs> gave someone ten thousand dollars yeah and me a heart attack when i thought that that was going to be the end of my life when i was in the theater that evening uh very very scary uh, and there scary may night. or may not be a survivor connection in this very special we get to talk about but yeah we watched it after that and you and i immediately knew in this moment there is so much to talk about here that it can't just warrant like okay we'll tack this on to the end of our our feedback we've got to save it for something and uh we've kept this sort of in the closet it's that christmas present right that you buy on january 2nd it's the perfect gift for somebody and now it's December 25th, and we are finally opening up this truly delicious present that was Aloha to Lost. 
Aloha to Lost is what it was called. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it is available on uh, the internet. Uh, very easy to find. And it's really quick. It's about 40 minutes long. Uh, and God, it's an artifact of a time. Uh, it is It is a relic. Of, starting uh, with the fact that it is... I, I didn't read the full name. Sorry. It's like Jimmy Kimmel Presents Aloha to Lost, sponsored by Bud Light. there's a lot about like yahoo tv yahoo Uh, mail there are some people involved who doesn't hold up so great when you go back and you see some of the people who are here it is it is such a relic from a time uh that is that is uh doesn't feel like uh lost was like that long ago even as we're getting closer and closer and closer as your friend and mine joe garfine reminded us the other day of getting so close to the 20 year anniversary of the premiere of lost doesn't feel like the finale was like quite that long ago and yet it really does remind you that like, yeah, we live in a different time now. Uh, things no, have changed. It, this We've is moved so, on. It's so 2010. Just pointing out small things like Josh Holloway is in on a bit about Snakes on a Plane 2, which I think Snakes on a Plane came out maybe two years before that point. There is, uh, they talk about this in the special, but I actually watched the uh, the audience questionnaire, which was a bit of a nothing burger. But Jimmy Kimmel does call Jack the Crystal Bauer Socks of uh lost which is a reference to american idol season nine My which God. had just aired around that time but the thing that really brought me back home josh was matthew fox is the first guest to walk out and talk with jimmy kimmel and he is just carrying a vitamin water and if nothing screams <laughs> the year 2010 to me more it is matthew fox talking with jimmy kimmel carrying a vitamin water did you clock the flavor by any chance it was a black and white label with like a maroon liquid inside i'm not that i I didn't drink a lot of vitamin water back in the day so i'm not sure what the flavor was yeah you weren't a vw guy a vw beetle they called us when we were huge fans of the vitamin water yeah, you were just freaking out like as if uh, the Beatles had played the Ed yes. Sullivan show. That was your reaction when you found out it was well-stocked we would, vending machines with vitamin water. Yeah, we would get into the corner store and we would just see a wall filled with vitamin waters and we would freak out as if John, Ringo, Paul, and George had stepped off the plane. Uh, all of us VW Beatles, we remember what it was like back uh, in the I'm, 2010s. I'm pretty sure if I'm looking at it now, assuming it's it kept the same label as 12 years ago, I'm pretty sure it's Triple X. Mm, yeah, Triple X was a good flavor. Yeah, I liked Triple X. I, I haven't had a vitamin water in many years now. It's probably been about half a decade, if not longer, uh, since my last vitamin water. Uh, but I should go and drink a Triple X vitamin water, and then I'll be just like Jack. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to be. Uh, first off, the character of Jack. But secondly, I mean, we'll talk about it. Uh, Matthew Fox Seems like the person, the cast member on Lost, I would least want to see on the show punked, or maybe the most. I know we talk about practical jokes. There's a question about it amongst the Lost cast. But Matthew Fox seems, unlike the character of Jack in season three, incredibly sobering when he talked with Jimmy Kibble. Just like very serious and almost dour. And it's it's a weird moment to catch them as well. Because like you speak about, this aired literally right after the finale. Jack's eyes closed. We get the uh, very unfortunate end credits of the plane wreckage on the beach, which confuses everybody about them being dead the whole time. And then we open the special on people re-watching the last few seconds. 
And it just felt so, like, exploitative to me. I felt like I shouldn't have been watching a tear roll down this one guy's cheek as he yeah. was watching the ending of Lost. Yeah, the, the special begins. We'll recap the whole thing. We watched it. We're going to go through it beat by beat. Uh, so Aloha to Lost begins with just, like, shots of the crowd, and they are, like, all bawling silently. And it, it is, like, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, like, oddly intimate. Uh, it's like, I don't need to see that. I was there. I know what this felt like. Uh, and, like, there's Jimmy Kimmel who is, you know, a huge Lost fan. Uh, one oh, yeah. of the... The, we should say there are innumerable things, and you could YouTube them as well. Like, he went onto the set for season mm -hmm. one, and he did a number of things during... Because, again, obviously the ABC connection, but, like, I would say, since he was the consummate, and still is the consummate ABC late-night host, he was, you know, the most well-connected late-night host to Lost in general. Yeah, so he, like, was really, uh, like, uh, a huge, huge Lost fan, so I think that this must have been for him, like, a little bit of, like, a really nerdy treat to be part of Lost history here. But he also has to, like, really lean into, like, the, like, the popular reception to Lost, I feel like. He has to come up with a special that is going to uh, play to the, to the norm right like we can't just be playing straight to uh to the the oceanic 815er crowd we have to be playing this to people who are just tuning in so there's like this very like broad quality that happens over the course of the special after it starts off with jimmy kimmel in the audience saying we're going to try and get to the bottom of what the hell just happened he describes lost as about the following things these are the following things that make up Lost, according to Jimmy Kimmel. It was about love, death, good, evil, time travel, polar bears, and fried chicken. Does that summarize Lost to you, Mike? I mean, you had me in the first half, not gonna lie. Like, there were some, there were some good general themes. And then, of course, he had to bring it home with a polar bear, which has not been seen on the island since season three. But mm -hmm. I think was very much a part of Josh. I know we've been watching Heroes season one of, like, the save the cheerleader, save the world thing of on when the show was its most popular and it was remembered for it fried chicken i'm not sure mr clucks i don't think was one of the more mimetic things from lost but it's a good punchline i guess i can't fine. really uh punch up his dialogue there he then tells us that the finale didn't answer everything and if you thought that it would then you were watching the wrong show but it did deliver two answers definitively number one was don't go chasing waterfalls uh, is, is, is that a reference to them both jumping off the waterfall and then I guess the heart of the island I stuff? think it must be the heart of the island or it's just a totally outdated even for the time TLC reference uh, and then the second thing he says is that uh, that the lost ending revealed is that not all dogs necessarily go to heaven uh, I which, actually did like that a reference yeah. to something that we have talked about, which was why was why was Vincent not not only not in the church, but not in the flash sideways in general. Yeah, probably because Vincent's immortal uh, mm -hmm. and is just going to live on the island for literally forever. Uh, so Matthew Fox is the first person who comes out. There's like a very awkward rollout of all of the various different guests, I feel like. And oh, Matthew it, Fox... it, 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 gets, it gets odder and odder. It starts yes. with the first couple and you're like, OK, this makes sense. And then we yes. just get these, you know, Josh, you and I have done several press junkets right where they'll they'll group the certain pairings, stars and yeah. talents together and it just gets odder and odder as the special goes along super strange so we get matthew fox is all alone he comes out he like sits on an oil barrel a dharma oil barrel and he's like barely sitting it's just like he's leaning his butt back on the barrel it, it looks uh, like tribal council stools almost like this looked like a tribal council set where i know game changers right had the shipwreck and that's what this felt like yeah i wonder if uh there was any crossover in the art department it's 
not impossible. I think it could be, uh, it could, true, could yeah. have been. Um, you noticed the vitamin water. What I noticed is that Matthew Fox is wearing Jack's original outfit from oh, the show. Good uh, call. He shows up in like a black jacket, black slacks, a white dress, uh, dress shirt and no tie. Uh, so he is he is looking he's bringing the whole thing for full circle. And I want to know, was that Matthew Fox's call or did someone higher above be like, that's going to be like a really good way to connect this whole thing. We opened on an eye. We close on an eye. We open on a Matthew Fox in a suit. We close on a Matthew Fox in a suit. Yeah, I would imagine it was Matthew Fox, considering that I'm looking at the other people. And I guess I don't know. I feel like Locke's outfit was pretty iconic too, right? Like the short sleeve button down shirt and the slacks and Terry O'Quinn did not walk out in that. Uh, I, I think it, it would make sense for Matthew Fox, who obviously has a lot of care for Jack Shepard to want to walk out in something similar to the outfit that he crashed on the island in. So when we when we continue this, we have like a couple of like, you know, a little bit of like a small talk that gets us into what's coming next. First, Matthew Fox is like, this is the first time I saw it. Uh, it was really hard to watch. Uh, he say he says that he hopes that someday he sits down and rewatches all of Lost. He hopes to do that someday. Do you think that happened already uh, at it's this a, point in our timeline? It's a really good question as to not only that, but do you think he watched Lost with his children, right? Yeah. I think one of the reasons why he retired from acting for a good portion of time was to spend more time with his family. And, you know, you and I are both good friends with Rob Sisser, and you know, who is undergoing his own experience with, like, showing his own time on TV to his children. I got to imagine Matthew Fox does that with his children when they get of a certain age. Yeah, I hope I hope it happened. I hope they liked it. Maybe that's what convinced him to do Last Light is like, you know, I was pretty good. Uh, this is a fun time. And let me see if I can get any of that magic back. Well, uh, not yet to be found, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, go back he, into the deal. Go chase that waterfall. Maybe, maybe. Maybe that was what his uh, we have to go back moment was. Uh, but he says that he hopes to rewatch Lost all the way through sometime. And at this point, Jimmy Kimmel's like, all right, let's talk turkey. And Jimmy Kimmel is going to nerd out on Matthew Fox. And I pulled the sound clip for this as like the first and maybe last attempt that Jimmy Kimmel has to have like a really kind of sincere conversation about the ending of Lost. Let's take a listen. So um, I want to present you, if I could, with my theory on, on what happened, okay? okay? <laughs> it, in a lot of religions, Christianity being one of them, the idea is that life is a test, that you go through your life, and if you're good, you go to heaven or nirvana or whatever, and if you're bad, you don't. You go to hell or you don't go anywhere. My theory is that the whole show, from beginning to end, we were watching Jack's test, his test and his life on the island, I think, was his real life. Yes. And you think, OK, I, I completely get him agree on a roll. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> obviously, Jack passed the test. Yes. And maybe the characters, maybe each of the characters has their own story and their own test. But this show, I think, was Jack's test. I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, um... I'm so proud of myself yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I mean, that's I think what's beautiful the way that ends is that it's room for interpretation depending on people's spiritual beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think there are also religions that believe that when you die, um, you go to a, a place and that place can last for a nanosecond or it can be an extended period of time where you have to remember your own death and the, all of the people 
that were instrumental, that you loved the most and helped you the most and were the most important to you, you have to remember all, all of them and in remembering them lead up to the moment that you died before you can move on to whatever's next. I want to look at a clip from... So, yeah, we just we just close it there. Uh, but then he plays a clip from I think it's the beginning of the season, right? It's the it's Jack with Rose on the plane. Yeah, and the, but that's when like it, it's interesting. And then he Jimmy Kimmel perhaps elaborates on this further, and then maybe loses the plot a, a bit. Yes. Where it seems to me like he implies, oh, so to further my theory, I think in this moment in L.A. Space X when the turbulence happens, Jack this dies. This is where on he dies. Yeah, he's like, this is where he dies, and then the rest of the show was the nanosecond. And Matthew Fox is like, yeah, could be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, which is a very breath. polite way of saying like, oh no, okay, we so we went very uh, away from the metaphysical and towards the yeah. more mystery box element of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we I get guess... like this really kooky territory where Jimmy Kimmel's like, all right, maybe this isn't landing. Uh, maybe like no one's like vibing. Uh, much much like the plane down. from mm -hmm. Jack's perspective. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I guess we now we count down Jimmy Kimmel and Jack in the category of a theory that was presented to us certainly at the end of season six right which is what if the flash sideways was all from jack's perspective and that everyone else has their own sort of flash sideways i think you and i sort of disagree with that slash debunk that considering again just the amount of scenes that do not involve jack right within the flash sideways but i think from matthew fox's perspective i think it certainly makes sense and i certainly think from a larger spiritual perspective looking at Jack's time on the island as a test is 100% factual. So Matthew Fox continues. Uh, he gets asked about like, so you used to say that you knew the ending of the show. Is that true? And he says that he knew the final image. He knew that the show was going to end with his eyes closing and that he would die. Uh, and I think that this is something that you and I used to talk about a lot during the Lost episode recaps of like, that's the thing we totally believed from Damon Lindelof when, he's, when he and Carlton Cuse would say, we know how it ends. Like, that image, it makes so much sense that that's what they were aiming for the whole time. It's like, we'll, we'll fill out the details to get from there. We have ideas. There's probably going to be time travel. We'll go back to Dharma. Smoke Monster's going to be involved. But the thing that's pretty ironclad is like, we're going to close on his eye. He's going to die. And it gives Matthew Fox this thing to aim for uh, as well, which he talks about here, too. I think he, he does a really eloquent uh, job actually talking about Jack's final arc. That yeah. He said, like, I knew that it was going to end with the eye closing. I had hoped for redemption for the character. I hope that that's where it was going to go. And really what does happen is, like, he starts to feel strong once he, like, dedicates his life to going back to the island. And he, like, surrenders himself, himself to, like, the knowledge that, I'm going to give my life to whatever it is that I meant to, to give my life to. And in doing so, he's going to feel empowered more and more. So it was really cool to see him kind of like talk through an arc that has felt really powerful to, to you and me in rewatching this show. And just, I felt like if Jimmy Kimmel wasn't really necessarily fully connecting with like how the show ended, I think at the very least, Matthew Fox in this moment is like connecting really hard with how the journey ended for Jack. Yeah, I'm very happy that Jimmy Kimmel almost like gave that ramp, right, for Jack to fly the plane, much like he did or uh, wanted to do in the very first episode, for Matthew Fox to really talk through his thing about it, since, again, he's kind of going to recess into being a bit of a hermit from the limelight uh, following the events of Lost. It's nice to hear him, especially in this moment, like you said, when he is clearly a little, you know, th uh, thrown by watching just the magnanimity of this show finishing for him to vocalize the journey of Jack so beautifully, I, I thought was really, really nice. And definitely, I would say to your point, the most substantial from like an actual discussion perspective 
of the entire special because the more people we bring out, I think the lighter we get on questions definitively. Yeah. So at this point is kind of where like, all right, we're going to go to commercial. We're going to bring more cast members in. We're going to have a good time and things are going to get like decidedly less serious from here. Uh, like now we're just like going to slip down into like the goof slide and that's where it's going to go for but, most of the rest of this. Can we talk aesthetics for a second? Cause we talked about again, the tribal council esque decoration of the set but we got to talk about the band uh, because what's going to take us to commercials are a couple of things. Mm -hmm. First off is the Jimmy Kimmel band. First off, they're all wearing Dharma jumpsuits, which yep. is amazing. And they're conducted by Michael Giacchino, which is doubly amazing. Yes. And triply amazing. All the lost things that are being played are, you know, every time cast members walk out, they're playing their themes from the show in a manner of speaking. Uh, you know, they were playing Hollywood and Vines, I think it was, when they were actually introducing the special. And then... To take them out of commercials, this one was them actually playing You All Everybody, but we have Make Your Own Kind of Music, we have Downtown. So, like you said, uh, it was very, very lost nerdy, and I absolutely adore it. Yeah, so we've got Giacchino. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel is going to tell him, like, hey, every once in a while, would you just do, like, the horns, please? Can we get the horns? And so he does give him, like, a... And we'll get, like, a couple of really, like, sort of, uh, like, womp, wompy horns Yeah, it was weird. The like, they made... They, they tried to go to Michael Giacchino for the rim shot for every time there was an answer of, like, hey, throw me, throw me a timpani hit. This is pretty funny. Uh, we get some. Uh, we get the Bud Light commercial for the first time here. Uh, we also get Stephen Colbert while he was of the Colbert Rapport. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like I think he was almost like, a year or two from leaving. There was this probably. fake hand gag that I guess we missed. But interesting talking about time travel, Josh. Uh, you know, Colbert makes a joke of like, "Oh, uh, this is just like Gilligan's Island. The Harlem Globetrotters aren't there unless they were." Watch season three, episode seven. Yeah. We got to call back Robin Akiva and bring him back for another look at not in Portland, I think, because he said the Globetrotters are there if you look hard enough. Uh, Either so th that or Stephen Colbert, a la Hurley, went back in time and tried to essentially write Renat before Renat happened. Mm, yeah, maybe. Could be. Uh, we'll have to reexamine that. But I think Colbert was ahead of the game with the season three, episode seven gag. Um, the next guests that come out are Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Kimmel asks Terry O'Quinn, which Terry O'Quinn we're dealing with right now, good Terry or evil Terry? And Terry O'Quinn says, out of work, Terry O'Quinn. Uh, uh, so good. <laughs> he, he is like just so charismatic. And I yes. feel like while Matthew Fox was, again, like we talked about, obviously perhaps uh, a little choked back by everything that happened. Like TOQ and Michael Emerson were just easy breezy. They Very. were, the, I think they were the go-tos I think for the one-liners throughout the evening. They're super relaxed. Uh, there's like a, a little bit of a funny bit of like, uh, what was it like being the, did you like being Locke or the smoke monster more? He enjoyed being uh, the version of the smoke monster that didn't know he was the smoke monster yet. I think Jimmy Kimmel says like, oh, I could be the smoke monster. Says, yeah, it could happen to you being the smoke monster, which I thought was pretty fun. They talk about uh, how Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson were thinking about in that moment in time. It was being reported at the time that they were going to team up for a thing, that they were mm -hmm. talking in the press about let's do a thing together that still hasn't happened here in 2023. I did have like this feeling, though, Mike, of like, you know what? It ain't over yet, this story. And they're talking about how like later on in life, maybe we'll have this second act together. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I feel like there's another multiverse where only murders in the building yeah. was 
Terry O'Quinn and Michael and it Emerson. Was like really dark. Uh, it was like a dark show. Uh, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't as funny as Steve Martin I, and Martin Short. What's interesting though is going back to our CBS crossovers. Jimmy Kimmel said they should do the Amazing Race together, which yes. would have been incredible for so many reasons. Not even Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson, but could you imagine John Locke and Ben Linus racing around the world together? Yeah, that's a hilarious idea. Uh, Matthew Fox even loves it when he says, you should do the uh, the Amazing Race together. You see like Matthew Fox is like clapping with the audience. I don't know if it's just like you clap when other people clap or if <laughs> Matthew Fox is like, yeah, that'd be great. Very good. I mean, it would be wild for so many reasons, not only crossing the streams in terms of networks, but like we don't usually get two random celebrity co-stars to, you know, sometimes we get like NFL, you know, teammates playing together, but not co-stars on the TV show Lost deciding to do the amazing race. It would have been amazing. Uh, I would have loved to see, you know, them go to the desert and uh, Michael Emerson have to get on that camel the way he did mm -hmm. in the shape of the yeah yeah uh, could have been good maybe Matthew Fox would have said yeah to the idea of Michael Emerson and Terry O'Quinn running the race together Jimmy Kimmel pitches uh, Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson on uh, a specific show that he wants the two of them to do called uh, Cadaver Cadabra this uh, very much felt like he had a punchline, yes. but there was just so much banter going that it yes. very much delayed it. Yeah, he says you're going to be Vegas magicians by night and forensic police officers by later at night. And uh, it'll be called Cadaver Cadabra. And Michael Emerson says, you know, some titles are so great that no show could just live up to it, uh, which was, again, another person being very polite in the face of Jimmy Kimmel being a doof. They were willing to play with him, right? They're like, oh, do we have accents? Uh, and he's like, oh, which one of us will play by the rules? Which one of yeah. us will be the bad cop? And uh, Jimmy Kimmel's like, yeah, you could switch off every yeah, episode. Both the bad cop, yeah. Sort of uh, like, oh, what's that? There's that Neil, that uh, that play, right? There's like there's a Neil Labute play or something. True West, where like oftentimes actors will switch off roles every night. That would be truly interesting in our modern day sort of artistic era of doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, so what else do we get? We get uh, this really awkward moment, right, of like, now, Matthew Fox, is you, you and you and Terry O'Quinn, you had some really serious scenes towards the end. Like, would it be that serious on set or would you goof around? And Matthew Fox, like, leans in to look at Terry O'Quinn and Terry O'Quinn looks at Matthew Fox. And Matthew Fox like, yeah, we would goof around. And it's like really quiet. And yeah, really like awkward. holding the moment hostage of like, all right, who's going to yeah. say it? Yeah, like, don't you dare tell anyone I'm serious. And Terry O'Quinn like, gives a very diplomatic answer. Of like, you know, everybody comes to, uh, you know, everyone is, like, to some extent prepared. And, like, he, he like, kind of equivocates as well when he's talking about, and Jimmy Kimmel sees on that. It's like, oh, wait, so not everybody is prepared when they show up. Who's the least prepared? Terry O'Quinn wastes no time throwing Josh Holloway under the bus. He says part, it's definitely part, Josh Holloway. Yeah, partially because they know he's not there tonight. But also, like, I would imagine that's the case. I would definitely imagine that someone like Matthew Fox is very much in that that mold, right, of like studying, acting, wanting to get in character, walking out. And Josh Holloway, perhaps given the aloofness of Sawyer, especially in those early seasons, is like, yeah, I'll just waltz out of my trailer. We'll go film on the beach and I'll have a good time with my shirt off. They all talk about uh, what was their most memorable moment from the show. I thought there were some funny answers here. A good answer from Terry O'Quinn that it's a walkabout, obviously, yeah. when he when he sees the footage back of uh, of John Locke wiggling his toe is when he kind of realized that Lost could could 
really be something. Michael Emerson says there were a lot of great scenes involving him and food. He talks about the breakfast nook. He talks about cooking uh, dinner for Juliet. And he talks about the time he was captured. He says underwater, which I don't yeah, in an believe underwater was the case. cell, which I'm pretty sure that was just was no. That just, no, it was season four, right? It was when he was held captive yeah. in the barracks. He's conflating a couple of things, which is fine. Uh, and he says uh, it's when John Locke brings him the rap. And I said, did this have a number on it? And Michael Emerson says, that's when I knew I was in a comedy and no one else knew it, uh, which was uh, which was a good note. Um, Matthew Fox says that it was uh, the moment that he was working on the pilot with J.J. Abrams and Evangeline Lilly and the scene where she's stitching Jack back up that he got a lot of really good notes uh, and that that stands out to him. So that's his uh, his super serious answer. I do um, feel like Evangeline Lilly's presence was missing. Uh, Jorge Garcia's as well. I know obviously they're going to appear in these sort of like little bits that we're going to get into, but it did feel odd. I guess maybe it was just an availability thing, maybe. but considering like how big the finale is for Hurley in particular and the Jack and Kate stuff. It felt a bit odd to not go to them. Well, it ends up being a lost variety show and it's really not a deep dive into the ending at all. Uh, like it, it is really similar to a survivor reunion show where I feel like you spend uh, like the first little portion talking to the winner and how did they win and what was the, and who were the major players in the finale and the final act. And then you're just like scattershot across the rest of the season. This was a very similar vibe, except scattershot across the show instead of uh, the season. We, we see this like strange uh, Yahoo mail tie in. And this is where Tim Allen shows up. And so Tim, Tim Allen. Like, I don't know this... what he's talking about over now, here. This is wild because at this point he has already done two Santa Claus movies with an out and out lost star in Elizabeth Mitchell, but his lost adjacent McCormick story has nothing to do with that. Tim Allen. And I would take him at his word that he is such a dedicated lost fan that he talks about seeing Daniel Flanagan at a Christmas party. He doesn't regard her as that. He says, you know, uh, Daniel's mom, Winmore, I don't know, whatever her name <laughs> is. And he was like so afraid of her, assumingly after she ended up killing Daniel Faraday, that he ended up like shrieking at her in the middle of this Christmas party. Very odd. But like seeing him here and you and I on the past couple of Heroes episodes of the podcast have been talking about the Santa Claus because he's been, uh, there's been like Santa Claus lost adjacent McCormick material where the smoke monster and Juliet and all of this stuff. Like now it's starting to tie in together where Tim Allen apparently big lost guy uh all right you know uh everybody is complicated and has you know even even bad people have good things i don't know uh so he's talking about uh loss he's talking about widmore's wife we get this really weird josh holloway calling in uh from toronto where i believe he is filming battle of the year was the name mm. of his breakdance battle movie where he's like the coach Eric Taylor of breakdancing. Uh, and he's instead saying that he's on the set of Snakes on a Plane 2 Electric Boogaloo alongside his new friends Turbo and Ozone. And they start doing some strange dance where he goes, keep snaking, keep snaking. And then he like dances off set and it is an odd thing. This is very, very bizarre. But I it's no idea not as bizarre year. as what Navy and Andrew does next. No, I know I did the Battle of the Year was a movie. I'm just looking up this up now. Oh, God, it had Chris Brown in it? It did. It oh, did. It boy. did. Again. Oh, and Laz Alonzo MM was in this? This is, uh, like, a lot is being reflected Josh out. Peck? Yeah, a lot of this is being reflected out of, of a time, including the next three guests who get brought out, uh, where we see Emily DeRaven, we see Daniel Day Kim, and Naveen Andrews. Uh, they all come out, and Naveen Andrews is holding a skull. 
He has a yeah, like skull he's about in to his d- like he just came from an amateur production of Hamlet and just yeah. got brought aboard the set. To me, yeah. And he brings the skull and he he like puts it in Emily Duravin's hand. And Jimmy Kimmel's like, "What are you doing, lording skulls around the place?" And he says that it's a gift from Manson. Uh, and Jimmy Kimmel says, "Charlie Manson." He goes, "No." Marilyn Manson and Marilyn Manson, another huge lost fan, apparently. And he's in the audience here. Uh. He's he's there live, Mike. And he has also gifted Terry O'Quinn with a painting of John Locke. And it's John Locke's head on this really long, wormy neck. <laughs> and it looks like, you know, it looks like, a, you know, it looks like a thing. Uh, it looks like a thing. It doesn't look like John Locke all the way. It looks like it looks like else. something that uh, Jin Su Kwan wished he had more of. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it is, this, a, this is a bizarre a... moment. Very, very, uh, very not. I don't know. It was well. No, I had oh, oh, it, it aged the exact opposite of Richard Alpert. I'll put it yeah, that way. To poorly. have like uh, this highlight of look at our celebrity fan Marilyn Manson. Oh my god! To the point where Marilyn Manson was actually in the audience as well. Uh, yeah, he was there. He was there. He was there live. Uh, very, very strange. Uh, so Marilyn Manson is there. We see like this strange look of John Locke. Uh, we we get like a bunch of like little like quick snapshots of the three new people. Now, who and now have shown wait, up. can we go back to the skull for a second? So yeah, what, of course. I would imagine. Do you think this is like a squirrel baby reference that Marilyn Manson would want to give this small skull to hmm. to Emily Deravin because of the whole squirrel baby aspect? Or maybe he just handed out skulls, but also have been in character. Uh, yeah, but I think that probably uh, that. Oh yeah, like oh here's a here's a casket that got you all. Skulls and Emily Draven just wasn't around for that. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, we do see, we hear from Davian Andrews that, yeah, he's never seen the show. He watched the pilot just to get the tone. This is very consistent with, in a recent, uh, relatively recent, uh, lost adjacent McCormick section. We talked about how Navian Andrews is like, yeah, I never really uh, understood why people liked it. I uh, just don't get it. So I think uh, in character still, this is one thing that I don't know if it ages well, but it ages consistently that even mm-hmm. all of these years later, Navy and Andrews, and you can tell uh, the vibe of Navy and Andrews throughout this whole thing. is like, I'm not taking any of this seriously. And not only that, talk about being in character, always weird to have him talk with his British accent. Yeah, a little strange. Uh, Claire is saying that she didn't watch the show while she wasn't there. She likes playing crazy Claire, she says. She thought that was that was super fun. Um, I, 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 I don't know, reading between the lines, it's a little bit like Emily Raven did not watch the show during her year off because she was ticked off that her character was uh, written it. off for that for season five. Daniel Day Kim is like, hey, everyone gets mad at you for uh, not staying alive with the babies. Like, I know. No one tells me like, hey, you did a good job on the show. They just... Uh, uh, they tell me that I suck now. Uh, so poor DDK. He's in and, the uh, thick of it at that moment. Again, very 2010. And Angelina Jolie can only adopt so many kids reference. Yeah. Yes, that's in there. Uh, Michael Emerson gets asked, how many times did uh, Benjamin Linus get beaten up? And the answer is 17, according yeah. to the so, Benjamin so Linus Michael Emerson counter. Uh, replies, how many episodes was I in? Which I think mm-hmm. was a very funny line. Yeah. Uh, so 17 is the official answer. And, and Naveen Andrews kisses him on the forehead, which is tough to not imagine be menacing considering again the relationship that Saeed and Ben have yeah it's like a kiss of death right like that's very godfather it's like yeah uh the beatdowns are going to continue coming uh so I don't know if we're looking out for something still here in the in the current timeline did, did you notice at one point that Terry O'Quinn just takes off his shoe and starts pouring out nope. sand nope but that's great 
Yep, uh, at one point, because I guess they decided stupidly to fill the set with sand. There's so, sand everywhere, yeah. So Terry O'Quinn, maybe perhaps to, to redo that iconic walkabout moment that he loves so much, just takes off his shoe at one point and just pours sand out onto the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got that. Uh, they, they, they get played off at this point by uh, the Giacchino band doing uh, Mama Cass, Make Your Own Kind of Music. Earlier, there was You All, Everybody. Uh, it is really fun to hear like the really lively brass band versions of some classic lost songs i wish this was released somewhere right uh, not like, not on a record player that it was meant to be i don't know it could have been fun on a record player uh, well oh, wait we got to talk about this though uh because the auction the auction yeah yeah so they're they're plugging this charity auction before cancer gets lost they did a charity auction right after the show ended for several props from the show right i think the three things they advertised were hawks locks hunting knife yeah uh box dharma lasagna Mm -hmm. and walt comic book and then about what 10 seconds into this stationary plug the kid who plays child jacob that just appeared randomly through the first half of the season before we actually find out who he is, pops into frame and just stands there with no explanation. Uh, Not for the last time either. Uh, We see like child scary Jacob showing up in the background later on as well. I missed him here, Uh, but he he shows up uh, when we start getting into all the alternate endings. It made me wonder how many Easter eggs are in this special that I'm missing. Are there like hidden actors? Like is someone buried under the sand who's going to miss their cue to pop up? Nikki and Paolo, they've been waiting this entire time. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like I thought it was be three i only i've watched it twice i've only caught it twice but the reason why i caught it is because you'd imagine like it's funnier to me if he was there the whole time i don't know if they purposely make him show up in order to like focus on what's being on the screen before he comes in or if both times this kid just misses his cue because it becomes incredibly obvious once you notice it Yeah, uh, very, very funny. Uh, So we now have a few more people to add to the set. Uh, We get Jeremy Davies is here, Alan Dale, Nestor Carbonell, and Harold Perrineau. It is such a bizarre quartet that shows. I'm not mad at it, but it's a strange quartet of people, Mike. This barbershop quartet to close us out. Yeah, hell of an uber pool, I would say. (laughs) These three guys, like, like... Have Alan Dale and Harold Perrineau ever been on the set I on the know. same day? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, maybe they both like had like uh, some increased screen time in season four, but I don't think that they were involved uh, in, in in person with each other. Uh, and certainly, like Harold Perrineau and Alan Dale both are deliberately not in the finale at all. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's very very bizarre. Jeremy um, Davies. It's a, a question gets asked in again the the offline questionnaire of like, what did you take from the set? I would not be surprised if Jeremy Davies answered my entire wardrobe, considering he's wearing a fedora, he's wearing the skinny tie. You talk about Matthew Fox being dressed like Jack when he first landed on the island. Jeremy Davies essentially has transformed himself into Daniel Widmore in the finale. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got the hat. He does have the vibe. I think that's kind of Jeremy Davies <laughs> is sort of the deal, uh, just sort of uh, a little bit of an eccentric. Uh, but he's he has this very strange moment. First, we have to go for like the lowest of hanging fruits. And the only thing that we'll talk to Nestor Carbonell about is his eyelashes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's fun. Uh, but then Jeremy Davies talks about how uh, he had been um, told ahead of time about what was going to be involved in this reunion special. 
that he had heard from somebody that there would be strip poker and a snowball fight. And all he has done since hearing that is rehearsing for both of those activities. It appears that Emily Duravin maybe was the impression that I got was the person who told him this. Uh, and he seems to have like authentically believed it. I don't know. Do you believe that he really believed that that's what this reunion special was going to be? Because I got to tell you, I do. I don't understand anything that's happening it's with so the 30 weird. second exchange. Like this is Joaquin Phoenix on David Letterman levels of, okay, is this a bit, is this a bit leveled on top of another bit? Because like Emily DeRavin did look guilty. So clearly like there was something and everyone looked at her. So everyone knew that clearly she did prank him somehow but did he truly believe, oh, we're going to go on this Jimmy Kimmel special and there's going to be strip poker and a snowball fight? I mean, some weird stuff happened in these pre-tape bits, but not on live television. Yeah, it was weird, man. I got to tell you, it was so strange. But I'm I'm sad for Jeremy Davies if he spent all of that time just like uh, like Rocky montaging his way to get into like tip-top shape for strip poker and a snowball fight. And it just led to absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I just imagined him really getting his arm into shape and also probably getting, you know, buff in the buff, knowing, okay, there's a chance I might have to get naked later on. And neither one of those things happen at a on ABC at like 11 o'clock mm -hmm. at night on a Sunday in May. Yeah. Uh, so we get into Harold Perrineau, who Jimmy calls Michael initially. Uh, and he uh, he thanks Harold Perrineau for killing Anna Lucia. Whoa. <laughs> the, the room explodes in applause. Nice Harold, Harold Perrineau <laughs> looks like a cast. He's, He's like, like oh, what are you doing this is exactly yes. why i had to come back is because i hated the way that they ended my character <laughs> he has this look on his face where he's like no 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 don't say that don't say that. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the whole thing it's tough because it represented so much of like the audience vibe uh, at the time we talked about two for the road but yeah i felt so bad for like harold perdo be like please don't remember me for this the audience be like we love you for doing that so thank funny. you for killing that woman so funny and then they're like well where is he he's not in the church and michael uh, harold perdo is like yeah michael's just roaming the island whispering to people for eternity it sucks jimmy says uh, yes he's been sentenced to an eternity of muttering uh, and so that's where we leave it for Harold Perrineau. Then Jimmy Kimmel attempts to engage Alan Dale. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go and great. You, you gotta tell that the, the general sense is Alan Dale being like, Jimmy, you and I both know we have no idea why we're on this show right yes. now. Yes, yes. He's like, uh, when people come up to you, Alan Dale, what do they say? He goes, nothing. They don't talk to me, which is very nice. He loves it. He loves that no one talks to him. Uh, Jimmy uh, talks about how uh, uh, Alan Dale. I, I don't. I should have uh, looked up what the name of the show is, but oh, it's was, uh, it's it's Neighbors. It's a very it. very famous Australian soap opera. And he was like everybody. He's uh, Australia's favorite dad for many years. He says Jimmy says you are Australia's Bill Cosby is what well, he says to Alan Dale. Listen, it very much uh, you know die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become suppose, the villain and that's what yes. happened with alan dale's career yes uh and then he's asked was widmore redeemed and alan dale says i wish you hadn't asked me that uh, <laughs> is what he says. he's having a horrible time out here this man just seems like he came the least prepared like they just snatched him of like alan come do this thing he's like all right what are we doing and he's like i 
I didn't realize this was a thing. Alan Dale says, I don't, I still don't know if Widmore was a good guy or a bad guy. And Jimmy Kimmel says, well, on the show, there were a lot of blurred lines, but you were pretty bad. And then Alan Dale says, well, I had fun. (laughs) Very Michael Emerson, right? Of like, I'm having a good time, which means I was probably a bad person. I mean, yeah, Alan Dale, just look at our LVP ratings at the Mm -hmm. end of it. uh, Charles Widmore was a bad guy, even when he was trying to be a good guy. Yeah. Um, so we do go back to Harold Perrineau real quick. Uh, and Jimmy Kimmel says, so Harold, Walt got tall. Is it his fault you weren't on the show? And Harold kind of laughs at that. And then Jimmy Kimmel says, this is why I'm always advocating to give kids cigarettes uh, to stunt yeah, their, stunt their growth. growth. I believe he name checks Gary Coleman specifically. Oh, that's right. He does. Uh, we get this uh, tender moments montage with like this song that's like, I get lost in your eyes. I think it's, uh, I think it's Debbie Gibson, I want to say. And everyone's kissing and it's starts off like it's a kiss cam montage and i'm getting really close to ready to just like skipping a minute into the special because i don't need to see all this uh and then everyone's just punching each other the goes from like kiss montage to punch montage yeah Yeah, like it goes from uh kate and sawyer kissing to kate then slapping sawyer so it's a fun little combination of like yeah there were a lot of makeouts and loss but also a lot of people got punched in the face Mm -hmm. uh and then we get a yahoo mail call out of like yeah yahoo mail this is the future and it's like okay And, and you can check tweets and your yahoo mail you got no idea what you could do there's like references to tivo and stuff here throughout the whole thing yeah, the dancing with the stars uh finale we don't know who the winner is we'll be uh-huh. on jimmy kimmel yeah so there's lots of oh, stuff yeah, I think that was my favorite prince of persia's jake gyllenhaal yeah, coming yes. up this week yeah the quote that i have from jimmy kimmel is i tivoed it don't tell me what happens uh which is just such a great capsule uh of that of that time this is where we kind of like start to bring things in for a landing is Jimmy says, so Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, they said they knew how it would end all along, but it turns out they had a few different endings they could have chosen from <sighs> uh, over God. the shoulder of Jimmy Kimmel. This is where I saw young Jacob. He appears yeah. in this moment as well. So uh, this was something that they had built up. I remember watching this. There was a promo that's online where it's like, check out Aloha to Lost for three mm-hmm. alternate endings for the series. And this was something that I think people actually believe. Remember back in season four where we actually saw the reshoots of the yes. final scene with Desmond and Sawyer in the coffin. So I think people legitimately believed. And Jimmy Kimmel pimps this out, this entire you know special. We have alternate endings. And instead we get what would like be a good cold open for an Emmys. Yeah. Or an episode of SNL or something like that. Uh, And I mean, like it fits the tone of what Aloha to Lost ultimately is. But I do think like if you were walking into Aloha to Lost thinking that you were going to get like, I don't know, like a peek at the man behind the curtain or like the new man in charge, rather, uh, you end up getting a lot of shenanigans, uh, including uh, the first alternate ending, which I pulled the audio on. Let's listen to it and then talk it through. And then the bomb exploded. And the submarine blew up. Well, that's great. So what do we do now? I'm sorry, Saeed. The tribe has spoken. What? Three minutes, figuratively, right? No. 
You gotta leave the island, man. Gotta go. What are you talking about? Who are you? Yeah. You look familiar. You on TV? I'm Jeff Probst. Hello? You've got to be kidding me. Where have you been? No idea. I did not spend five years in the Republican Guard. Get shot by Roger. Get drowned in a pond. Take a bomb to the stomach on a submarine to be eliminated by Jeff Probst. questions it's so classic questions. it's so classic i have so... to say among my biggest regrets in life is that uh jeff probes lost my number before i could remember to ask him uh about filming this uh mike you carry the torch still it's yeah. on you to do the deep dive you gotta okay. get this going on <laughs> well it's just so odd because well first i gotta say with no offense to jimmy kimmel uh matt tv did it this was a Matt TV sketch. They did a lost sketch and Jeff Probst showed up. And I remember they did this whole flashback where it was like him and Colby auditioning for the host of Survivor. And I think Jeff Probst like poisons Colby's water or something. They've done this punchline before, but this is unbelievable to me for a number of reasons. First, so it starts off, it's a little tough to like distinguish, but they do what was very popular at the time, I want to say specifically during the MTV Movie Awards, they really loved doing this with the hosts of skits where yeah. someone would act against footage from the show. One very specific one I remember is, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel hosted in 2001, the year where the Fellowship of the Ring came out, and they did this sketch where it was like, oh, Frodo has the ring of power, but it's on his you know what, his package in a manner of speaking. And it was like cutting to everyone at the Council of Elrond reacting to it. And so that's what we got where it was a bunch of like canned lines from around the fire towards what, probably the middle of the season, right around the right. Dr. Linus Abiturno stuff. But Naveen Andrews is doing brand new things. I don't know why he's telling the story of Lost to the Lost cast. I guess that's what gets him eliminated from Survivor. Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, um, it doesn't make sense, certainly within Survivor rules either. It's not like Jeff Probst eliminates you. Jeff Probst is a vessel, right? He's a tool to, you know, extinguish your torch, but he's not the person that's voting you out. Yeah, exactly. And it just seemed like there was no voting to be done. Nobody cast their ballot. And then, as is lampshaded by Navy Dancers, Harold Perrineau, just walks in. I think it was abundantly clear they had Jeff and they happened to have like these two guys in Hollywood at that time. So they said, yeah, let's just throw them together. We don't, we could just sort of write around it with a throwaway line. Let's get the t like Harold Perno's not even dressed like Michael. He's just no. wearing the clothes he walked in with. It sure is. Uh, so you get the Jeff Probst sketch and then you cut to like the writer's room of Lost and Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse are playing along. Oh, I, I have to say my favorite thing about this entire thing was how incredibly game these two were like you know you you've interviewed damon before you've talked with carlton before like these two guys they they take themselves seriously but they clearly do not here they were so 
committed to the bit, no matter how hard the ship was sinking, and it made it that much better. You know, my experience of them um, from like their time doing the the Lost podcast, they were always so goofy on there. Like they would get serious, but they would also have so much room for levity. And my experience in the the few times that I have interviewed them both, I've interviewed them both a few times uh, for different projects, and they always like still have like sort of that energy about them. I've always really appreciated that they tell very serious minded stories that often have a lot of room for like uh like whimsy within them or just like very odd beats they're like very uh they're very human uh it's among the many reasons why i love this show so much still is that the people responsible for creating it just have all of the various shades of life at their disposal with which to paint uh and it is really evident here that here we are on the other side of the series finale and they're on board with just going all the way ham uh to the point that they they now like they're like we're having trouble ending it what are we going to do okay i've got another idea for the ending we're going to start on hurley's face he's in a diner and then they just replay a version of the sopranos ending uh yes with- except it's uh come sail away instead of don't stop believing mm-hmm. and it's what so hurley hurley's tony tony claire is carmella yes jack is uh, he's aj he's aj soprano Jin Jin. is meadow uh and richard alfred is multiple people yeah i love that they just had again i think it was just they had nestor carbonell around so they just had him walking multiple times i love that was maybe one of my favorite bits of the entire thing was just all the times it cut to richard alfred sitting around he's the first person in he's also the members only jacket guy uh jimmy kimmel himself is the waitress giving them the onion rings uh matthew fox is really game for this too he sits down like aj goes onion rings that's what he wants uh and then they cut it with hurley saying i think i figured out the secret to the eye and then they go to black uh yeah and then uh, this is where maybe one of my favorite lines is uh carlton goes uh, you know, Damon, is that how The Sopranos ends? And Carlton goes, I don't have cable. And, Dar- and uh, Damon goes, I don't either. Who does, Carlton? Uh-huh, very funny. Uh, then they do the Bob Newhart ending literally with Bob Newhart. Uh, Bob Newhart wakes up. Evangeline Lilly wakes up next to him. Uh, and then Carlton and Damon are, like, in another bed freaking out. And they're yeah, like, no, it, this feels but- like this has been done before. And Bob Newhart's like, it's the most famous TV ending of all time. You don't know this one? It also implies that, like, does Damon Lindelof want to F Carlton Cuse? That's the energy. It is the energy. <laughs> like the, the segment ends with him like stroking Carlton's arm being, uh, he says, looks like it's just the two of us, Freckles. Uh, so that's like the punchline of, of the whole thing. It was um, all, see, it was about love the entire time. The love between two showrunners. They're each other's constants, ultimately. Uh, and that is like basically how this thing ends. There's a little bit more. Jimmy comes back. He, you know, says goodbye. We all say goodbye to the cast. And then we have like this montage at the end that tells us what happened to all of the characters from Lost after yeah. they left the island. And the Animal House silly. montage. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll read through them all. I'm not sure I if got you them took too. them all down. Yeah. Uh, so Kate is Larry King wife number 11. <laughs> uh-huh. Sawyer, Pilates instructor at LA Fitness. Yes. Uh, Saeed launched successful line of home perms. And this, of course, obviously for the joke, ignores obviously everything that happened in terms of their actual death. To a degree. They call them like the class of 07, but John Locke is class of 06 because he died a year earlier. So yeah, I guess I they're assuming they were resurrected. Desmond's my favorite one. Presses own belly button every 108 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, pretty stupid, but I uh-huh. love it. Uh, Locke just says blue man group yeah well maybe he lost his voice again sort of like in further instructions and then also blew himself 
Yes, exactly. Uh, Hurley, winner of Dancing with the Stars season 11. This I is think close. This is close, right? This is yeah, close to the Masked not... Singer. I mean, also, I do think that, I think we talked about this, right? Of like, what is the celebrity status of the Oceanic Six? If they stayed off island for longer than three years, there's a chance one of them would have been totally. on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Frank Lapidus, Ferry wheel, Ferris wheel operator at the Santa Monica Pier. For Frank Lapidus does have that carny look to him. Uh, Jack is a highly paid stubble model. Uh, Benjamin Linus becomes an assistant manager at a Skechers in Greendale. No, the, the Glenn Galler Galleria. You've been watching too much. Uh, oh, yeah, it could be. I, it, I, ben, ben had a hot air balloon as well. Uh, Sun and Jin take over for Regis and Kelly. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying to remember. Did Was Regis? No, Regis already retired, I thought, at that time. I don't know. Um, Charlie becomes a YouTube sensation. And also, he bit his brother's finger. And then they play the charlie under now that bit. is more 2010 than matthew fox's vitamin water that is a paper towel uh cuddles the polar bear has been seen hanging out in sarah palin's office uh and then finally the smoke monster gets accidentally inhaled by snoop dog and we watch that happen uh the smoke monster is slamming mr echo into a tree when we see he's accidentally inhaled by snoop dog and snoop dog gets the the last word on Aloha to Lost, which is a fever dream. Uh, the entirety of Aloha to Lost, is it real? Uh, we watched it, so I guess it has to be. Yeah, the fact that you ended with the sentence, Snoop Dogg finishes the special Aloha to Lost, <laughs> is all you need to know about the special Aloha to Lost. I had a great time revisiting it. I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to talk it through. It was very, very fun to watch this morning. Yeah, it was just so wild. It was like a fun mixture of clear like sweetness and admiration for the show both in the matthew fox conversation and a lot of the, the touches that went around and like the fun little easter eggs and kids popping up to like the absolute goofiness that happened with these bits that were so hit or miss they might as well be jack holding a gun so menacingly mm -hmm. but it just it was truly a wonder to behold i'm so glad that it has been captured on the internet because it is such a relic for the time in many ways with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, Mike, that's Christmas past here on the Down the Hatch holiday special. What would we like to do for Christmas presents? Certainly what we're doing in Down the Hatch present these days is we are currently going through all of season one of Heroes, uh, airing during the same time as Lost season three, a contemporary of Lost. How do we merge these things together? Well, I think because it's Christmas and on Christmas, you say you tell people that you love them or whatever, you know, uh, whatever Andrew Lincoln said on the cue cards. Mm -hmm. You know, Christmas Eve was infamously the time when Desmond called Penny in the constant to declare their love for each other. And we have been crossing the stream so many times between Lost and Heroes. I find it only appropriate that for Christmas present, Josh, we find the constants between Lost and Heroes. Who are the characters that can be each other's constants, mirrors, in a manner of speaking, before Jack smashes it a la the lighthouse? Okay, so what we're effectively doing then, it sounds like, is we are putting Lost and Heroes characters underneath the mistletoe to see who's going to smooch. Matchmaker, matchmaker. Yeah, let's make up some matches here uh, as we're going to see who pairs well. Who is the chocolate and peanut butter of Lost and Heroes combination? So now what are we doing? Are we saying these two characters are the same or that these two characters would be great together? How do we want to do this? I went with more so they're like contemporaries of one another, like they're the same. I feel like I do not value my own matchmaking skills to feel like characters would be compatible. With have one you ever another. done a successful matchmaking? Uh, I actually have. Yes. Uh, from a Jewish perspective, that means I'm able to get into heaven. My wife and I were able to set up uh, a college friend with someone that I worked with closely and they are happily married now with two children. Yeah, it's a good feeling when you uh, when you pull that trick off. I, I was only able to do it once, so I'm not I'm aiming you to only need to do it ahead. You only need to do it the one time in order to get into heaven. So uh, good on you. You did it. You did the thing. But I'm quitting while I'm ahead. I'm not going to try it again. Yeah, and especially because I think as you've uh, reflected on it further, you'd probably thrive in hell. So you're trying to figure your way <laughs> back down there. Little hot for heaven. A little hot for heaven. All right. So did you did you do this? Have you already paired characters? Is that what you're implying? I've d I've done a little bit of it. I think yeah, obviously a lot can be talked through. But... Yeah. Let's kick Let's kick this off. Uh, if you've done your homework already, why don't we start with what you've got on the board and we can see if we can twist it at all. Yeah. Well, let's start with the easy one, right? Hiro Nakamura is Hugo Hurley Reyes. I don't think that there's any question that that's the case. Uh, I think that Hurley and Hugo, Hurley and Hugo, Hurley and Hero are it's certainly they're both uh, H names. Uh, and Hurley is certainly the king of the island. I don't think there's really a thing to be king of in Heroes. But if there is, Hiro Nakamura is the king of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're talking about fan favorite, nerdy, originally comic character who like has a big heart, ends up in this tragic romance with someone who dies very quickly. We talked about this with Charlie, who recently came and went on our screens in season one. It is just a perfect one-for-one, one, and I don't think that's coincidental. 
considering, uh, you know, that uh, Heroes was very much inspired by Lost, like you said, created during season three, that I think they wanted to recreate the Hurley effect. So let's uh, let's swap roles for them, and let's assume that Hurley is now uh, given the ability to travel through space and time, and Hero is granted the ability to speak with the dead, I guess, for one, and also is now the king of the island. How do they do in each other's shoes? I think I think Hero would be a really good leader, though I feel like what's interesting is that he has kind of Jack-like tendencies in this idea of destiny, right? And, oh, if I have this power, I have to do something with it. The, right. the, the, the idea that he feels like he's meant for something is very lucky and very latter-day Jack, and that doesn't feel necessarily very Hurley. So I could see him be maybe a bit more draconian and ambitious with his leadership than Hurley, who, while confident, I think was more laid back in his approach. I think that that's probably correct. I feel like a Hurley with the ability to travel through space and time is a version of the character that I sketched out quite often with my uh, time-traveling Dave Marion Libby types of theories during Down the Hatch. I think that once Hurley's in charge of the island and he effectively may have control over a subset of Hiro Nakamura powers via the frozen donkey wheels and such, I think he's abusing them. I think he abuses this power. Whether intentionally or inadvertently, I think that he's going to cause uh, some measure of problems, but is also going to ultimately be responsible in some sort of like Ouroboros fashion of like constructing aspects of the island that have always existed. Well, yeah, not only that, I mean, look no further than something like Some Like It Hoth, right? Where Hurley, like, doesn't understand the concept of whatever happened, happened. And it's like, yeah, Miles, why don't you talk to your dad? It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He sort of is, like, shirking the rules, much like we saw with Hero recently try to do things. So that being said, actually, that goes to, to the next one that I, one of the only few that I had in my mind going into this. I think Ando might be miles interesting okay because i was gonna ask if if hurley is hero does that mean that charlie is ando no, but charlie because... and isaac mendez are pretty clearly uh, no yeah i would together. say this is cheating a bit isaac mendez is the love child of charlie and desmond yeah i think that's right i think that's right between the hair between the future forecasting and between the drug abuse like it's right there. I guess we could get a skosh of Charlie in Ando because, like you said, especially in season three, like Charlie and Hurley were always by each other's sides. But I'm looking at somebody who was like not a great guy to start off, a little annoying, has a bit of his own issues, but like is a good number two at the end of the day. I know we associate Miles more so with Sawyer, but I do think he assists Hurley as well. I, I think Well, it, it makes, makes sense, sense, right? Because Ando helps Hero with his time travel shenanigans and Miles tries to help Hero understand time travel. Now, what's interesting, though, is that Miles has powers, whereas Ando, at least in seasons one and two, does not. So... Yeah, so I guess we could do this in two different versions. Um, so if we're swapping power sets, Ando uh, has nothing to give Miles. He got nothing for Christmas for Miles. Um, but Miles gives Ando the ability to listen to dead people. I feel like Ando is abusing this recklessly. In a way that's maybe NSFW. <laughs> Yes, I don't think that it's particularly good. I don't want to know whose graves he's visiting and what he is doing graveside, Mike Bloom. I don't like imagining this. I don't think that this is particularly great. 
So we talked about Isaac. Again, I think that's very simple. And I think even a power swap uh, is a little bit one for one, right? Considering how similar Desmond and Isaac are, both in their ability to see the future, but also the fact that sometimes those visions do not come true. Okay, so Desmond and Charlie, they're like sort of like Voltroning to become Isaac Mendez. A little bit of a test tube baby situation, I think. Uh-huh, pneumatic test tubes. Uh, so Isaac gets to have the ability to see the future, but he can only see the future of one particular man dying. Now, does he constantly drawing images of Charlie Andrews uh, at the oh. Burnt Toast Diner? That could be it. I mean, he did he did draw them. We saw that last episode. So mm -hmm. is that like the only thing that he's ever painted that's come true? It's just like images of Charlie. Uh, I'm not sure, though, because he he remembered other things like Locke's speech. Mm -hmm. That's true. But Locke's speech was in relation to Charlie. So uh, Locke just happened to be there while in the yeah. background. Yeah, while Charlie was going to explode. Uh, I feel like uh, Isaac would also, if he inherits any of Desmond and Charlie's stuff, becomes an incredible musician and Charlie becomes a painter. Uh, I like Charlie as a painter. Yeah. He's got those, like, I feel like he, you could imagine those like a uh, fate fingerlets, right. While he's painting with the mm -hmm. smudge with ink. Yeah. Here's another, here's another one that I feel like is a shoe in. Jack Shepard is Nathan Petrelli. Uh, is Nathan Petrelli. Ooh, I really thought this was going to be Peter, uh, but I, I'm excited to talk this through. So Jack is Nathan Petrelli. Is it just because they're both jerks? Well, I think very much the way Nathan regards his own role, right? Of like, I have to be the one to do this because nobody else will, right? He talked about that in six months ago of like, Peter doesn't have to be the first one in this family. It's not my fault that I'm dad's favorite. I feel like is very Jackie, especially in the early stages of Lost when he is the leader and he's making these unpopular decisions. Plus, we talked about Jack knowing a lot about flight and what is Nathan Petrelli uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah. So Jack ends up inheriting Nathan's uh, flying abilities. That's what Nathan got Jack for Christmas. I do think Jack flying around the island, maybe things would have uh, gone to hell in a handbasket actually a lot quicker uh, would be, would be my guess. If, like he could zip all over the island. I think that he would be causing more harm than good. Not to mention there's also some adultery involved in both of their marriages. Yeah, so it would be him cheating on Sarah instead also, of Sarah cheating on Jack. He gets in a car accident that paralyzes his wife, Nathan, and Jack saves a woman who is nearly paralyzed in a car accident. Uh, well, if now if now if Nathan is getting a gift from Jack, he's getting the gift of several years dedicated to being an expert in spinal surgery. So uh, he would have been able to save his wife from the car accident. Exactly. So it very much is a gift of the Magi. Yeah. Like, uh, we can really help each other here. He he also gets Jack's ability to punch people back to life with his uh, his fisticuff CPR. Speaking of CPR, let's talk we about- We also should just mention that Isaac is also now a bloody rock god, thanks to uh, Charlie. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, so let's- And his bloody head is found on the floor, uh -huh. especially in the future. Speaking of CPR, let's talk about the nurse himself, Peter Petrelli. Now, I, I can understand why you said it would be John Locke because of big main character energy, but 
No, Peter Petrelli is young John Locke for sure. Young John Locke. Okay, so I thought that Peter would be Jack, big main character energy, but you've got Peter and Locke together. Now, if you sat Peter down, uh, let's do this. Peter Petrelli. All right, you're, we're calling you into the principal's office. You're wanted at Middle O Science Camp in Portland, Oregon. And let's say he's like, he's not really into it. He's not going to do it. But the next thing that we do, rather than give up on him in that moment, is we send a future version of himself to sit down with him and explain, you are special, you're everything that you think you are, you need to come to science camp, but he is sitting across from the spinning image of John Locke. You think he goes? You think that this is what he wants to drive towards? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. He's like, F off, old man. I don't want to become you. Yeah, I don't know that he wants that necessarily. Uh, But I think that John Locke getting Peter Petrelli's gift of empathy, of super empathy, right? When he is around other people, he grocks their powers. He's able to have all of the skill sets of the people around him. Kind of does speak to John Locke to a certain degree. Yeah, he like, I know that we talk about this with Jack, but like John Locke also does not know how to let things go. Yeah, yeah. And he knows like uh, his knowledge base is a mile wide and an inch deep on everything, right? Like he just knows so much about about, trebuchet yeah like he knows a little about a lot and so i think like peter's never really the best at the powers but he has the most so i feel like that going to lock makes a lot of sense and i think that the two of them very early on in both shows are the ones who are like something important is happening and i'm into it like i'm leaning into it and i want to know more Exactly. And I think there's also a bit of, we haven't experienced, we experienced this a bit with Peter, but like this idea of crisis of faith, right? right? We certainly experienced that with this idea of you feel like you are destined to do this thing, but what do you do when you have no guidance behind it or you're led astray? And I think that both guys dealing with that, again, I think maps onto it fairly well. Not to mention, I think Peter would be like the spitting image of Eddie who Locke ran into at the pot farm. So if Locke is Peter Petrelli, then I feel like it follows that the smoke monster is Siler. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? That he has yet to become a shapeshifter, but I do think this like ever-present malevolent force that is just the representation of pure evil and greed makes a lot of sense mapping onto Siler. Cancel Christmas. I don't want these two getting together. Uh, Eradicate the mistletoes. uh, Torch them, burn them to the ground. Smokey and Siler are not allowed to get together because that is the end times. I think you put Siler on the island and you have Siler hanging out with Special. The man in black is taking extreme advantage of that. Everybody's brains are getting eaten. He tells Siler, these are the constants. You got to eat their brains. Then you get to be supercharged. And now the smoke monster is free. This is very, very dangerous. I don't think that our heroes uh, of Lost or heroes would be able to survive the matchup against the smoke monster and Siler. So Siler and the smoke monster have similar goals at the end of the day, but a little bit different in that Siler is very individualistic, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm better than everybody else. Therefore, I deserve to have all their powers. Uh, Smoke monster- Big Francisca energy from Siler. Oh yeah, 100%. I'm better than you, Peter Petrelli. I'm Prince Siler. Now, would he get tricked by a fake idol made out of an effing stick? Um, I don't think Siler would, no. I don't no, think I, so. I don't think that gets unless Gabriel someone had Gray. the persuasive powers of Eden. I don't Does think that, that would be possible. I mean, honestly, I think Prince Peter would though. <laughs> I think 
Peter Pacelli gets. And so would John Locke, maybe. This is my destiny stick. Yeah. I'm supposed to do this, damn it. Yeah, I think that Save John Eliza, Locke, save the world. Yeah, John Locke and Peter Petrelli would both get uh get duped by the stick for sure. They would they would definitely get duped. So and then but I feel like the smoke monster on the other hand, at least what John Lokai reasons to Sawyer, right, uh in uh in the the in the candidate is this idea of like, I just wanna go, I just wanna leave. Yeah. Now, granted, who the hell knows what would have happened if the smoke monster had escaped, because that would inform that like the cork is lifted and then like the entire world goes to hell, but uh, they're both nefarious deeds. And I feel like they would both get along in terms of both observing and tricking people summarily. All right. Can I toss one out and see what you think about this? Cause this, might be, this might be weird, but I really, really into it. I want to pair up Saeed with Micah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we know Saeed, Saeed freaking rebuilt the hatch computer after Desmond wrecked it. They effectively already have the same powers. Uh, like, and what Micah could really use from Saeed is like the human lie detector skill set. And I think mm -hmm. what Saeed could really use from Micah is useful optimism. Uh, <laughs> I think like if they were able to swap those two things, they get to keep their powers basically exactly the same as they were. And they're both just like a little bit better at the end of the day. I think like Micah could like maybe like feel like with his mother, with Nikki and Jessica, that he could have a little bit of an easier time determining which is which with Saeed's cynicism. And Saeed like, he needs to enact like some measure of self-acceptance and forgiveness. And Micah seems very mature and adult in that regard. Do you think Nikki and Jessica, are they Claire, you think? Nikki and Jessica are, well, I mean, isn't Claire Claire? I guess probably not. No, I think no, I know I think Kate Austin's Claire. Yeah, I mean, I actually think maybe for me, Kate and Nikki are closer, and the Claires actually might be a little closer than you think. Uh, they both need to be saved in seasons one True. of Lost and Heroes, and importantly, they have the same name. Most importantly, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I mean, we know that. Claire, obviously, Peter is her savior uh, and will become her uncle. We know that Locke and Claire had a very important mm -hmm. relationship, and Claire will have an important relationship with the man wearing John Locke's face in season six. Yeah, I kind of just want to see the two Claires hanging out with each other and then getting, like, really uncomfortable and then are both, like, very territorial about the name Claire, uh, I think is probably where oh, I, I want that to go. How about Kate is Nikki... Anna Lucia is Jessica. Hilarious. Okay, so Kate and Anna combine to become Nikki and Jessica. Uh, I don't hate this. I mean, actually, I do think it could all go to Kate Austin, to be honest, because she, not unlike Nikki, is able to access multiple personalities. When she's out there in the world, Mike, she's constantly on the run, putting on all these different disguises so that no one knows which Kate she actually is. That's true, but I feel like specifically I'm thinking about the dialogue we we experienced in the episode we most recently watched where Jessica's like, I have to do this because you're not strong enough gives me big Anna Lucia vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so if they were to swap uh, spots and swap gifts, then Nikki and Jessica from Kate would be really good at evading the authorities and would make them a pretty dangerous uh, package. Thank you. Also, Jason McCormick would have been rendered limb from limb. Yeah, it would have been a much uh, more gruesome ending, I think, for Jason McCormick.
Yeah, deservedly so. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, who else do we have on the board that we want to? Who gets Mohinder Suresh? Who's who's Mohinder Suresh hanging out with during this Lost Heroes Christmas? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because we already have our Saeed taken care of, and you feel like that'd he was be like a, a, he was a scientist character. Yeah, so that would that would track. I feel like um, hmm, Je- would it be? Could it, I mean? I would say. Faraday, but I think Faraday is too far out there for Mohinder Suresh. Yeah, but what a conversation that would be. I think like Faraday and Mohinder Suresh getting to just sit down and have a conversation about superheroes, I think could actually be pretty fun. Actually, you know what? How about Sawyer? Whoa, Sawyer and Suresh. Just because I think... Mohinder does kind of start as like he had this period of time, right, where he like refused this stuff, was a little bit, you know, a little bit of an asshole in this stuff, and then eventually gets brought on board and ends up sort of becoming this de facto leader, trying to continue the work that was left behind by someone and looming in their shadow. And that is the journey of Sawyer. Is it not that there's a guy who ends up coming into this role that he didn't necessarily want, but it turns out he's more equipped for than he thought. Um, I'm not upset about the idea of Sawyer and Suresh spending a holiday season together. And I especially think that if it's a post-lost Sawyer hanging out with Suresh, he's spent enough time around scientists in the Dharma Initiative to really speak their language. He's very well read, so he has a lot of like book-gained knowledge that he could give to Suresh. He could also really help Suresh out with like infiltrating reluctant heroes lives and like finding ways in to like get closer to them and being like, Hey, it actually turns out that you're a superhero. Alternately Sawyer and Siler would be a very scary combo. Yeah. Not just because their names both begin with S and end in ER. Yeah. Uh, but that is definitely obviously one of, one of the reasons Sawyer and Suresh hanging out. I like that. Okay. So now let's do like a later season Suresh onto Sawyer. Sawyer has crazy evil, super strong alligator powers. Yeah. Uh, I, don't I, mean, love it. I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't it. think Snakes I love that anybody. <laughs> Snakes on a plane too. Yeah, start Electric dancing. Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who, Battle who of is, the... Who's Matt Parkman? Isn't he just Seth Norris? <laughs> oh, I like that. Just like uh, take Greg Grumberg's roles and swap uh-huh. them. Yeah. Isn't Matt Parkman's just... just reading the minds of all the passengers crashing on ABC. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, who, who else would Matt Parkman be? I mean, Matt Parkman and Sawyer pair pretty well together also, to be honest. Uh, you know, they're both like, it's, it is Sawyer's responsibility to try as hard as he can to read somebody's mind in order to properly execute a con. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Or maybe it's maybe it's like Jin, you know? Jin and Parkman. Wow, yeah. if Jin had Matt Parkman's abilities, then season one communication for Jin would have gone a lot better, probably. Unless well, he's not yeah. able to understand their thoughts if they're in English. Right, like it's it's lack of communication. I think there's also the idea of like a, a marital, you know, strife, much like Jin and Sun had prior sure. to coming to the island. Like, oh man, it, does that mean Sun is Janice? Oh no! I hope not. Uh, I think maybe he just did it. <laughs> oh god! Well, but it's interesting though because like you have two guys on different sides of the law in the manner of speaking, and that Jin is uh, a crook, and that like he's the heavy for Mister Paik, but he clearly has like morality to him, and much like 
People say what they want to about the police, but I think Matt Parkman certainly is one of the better police officers comparatively on the show. All right. I think maybe let's give son Clea Duvall, uh, because then Clea yeah. Duvall's uh, super agent powers translating to son. I feel like she we see like glimpses of this in season five and at the end of season four of what son might have been like as like sort of like a ruthless business person. Now imagine her as a ruthless detective and she and Jin can really be the, the Regis and Kelly of uh, <laughs> detectives. Yes, the, the thing that everyone wants, especially yeah. back in 2010. Yeah, all right, so I'm scanning through the season one hero's main characters. There's one very obvious one that I, I, would, I would put a pin in for right now, but what about DL? Uh, who, who is DL hanging out with from the Lost cast? Somebody who has the ability to phase through things. Oh, goodness. So we're looking at, like, a guy who was mentioned makes an appearance, is misunderstood, and can phase through things. He can phase through uh, walls. Uh, he could phase through, you know, different phases of life. I don't know that there's a really great DL comp, to be honest. Now I'm looking back at Kate with uh, the Nikki and Jessica and Anna Lucia with the Nikki and Jessica. It's like maybe some measure of... Mr. Echo with phasing powers. I, I, was, I was thinking Mr. Echo maybe in terms of just like, again, the, the sort of like mystery quality of the character and the fact that this DL, I think very They're much- They're both would, on the run, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think DL would very much say, right? Like, uh, I did not choose this life in a yeah. manner of speaking. I did the uh -huh. best with what was given to me. Yeah. Uh, I want to go with, uh, for the Haitian, I really want to go with Richard Alpert. I feel like yeah. Richard Albert and the Haitian, yeah. they're both like come come with guys, right? They're both like ride or dies. Uh, and I feel like if Richard Alpert had the ability to stop other people's powers, uh, he would he would wield that wisely. And the Haitian, despite what Heroes Reborn will tell us, feels also like he will live forever. He just like has that immortal quality to him. And that, in turn, I think makes yes. Benjamin Linus HRG. It's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious who HRG is here. This is, I think, like the lowest hanging fruit of the Lost and Heroes Christmas gathering is Benjamin Linus and HRG, two men who would do anything to protect their daughters at all costs, uh, unsavory things in their past. They both look great in glasses. They both look great without them. They both have hair that kind of stands up. You know, they both like, have like standy pointy hair. And they're both, you know, pretty non-special people who are in charge of sort of regulating those that are special, in mm -hmm. a manner of speaking. Uh, quite literally, in the case of Ben feeling like he can summon the smoke monster in a special. They're the men behind the curtain, but as John Locke will ten tell Benjamin Linus, he's a Pharisee. It's all, you know, a con, in a manner of speaking. And they're going to realize very quickly how depowered they are when they truly get put into the spotlight. Okay, so I think we've got our Lost in Christmas gathering. Are we uh, leaving Simone behind? Is that not nice? Should we give Simone somebody to hang out with in season one? Uh, so like Penny, maybe. I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, like if especially if Desmond and Charlie are Isaac, I think that Penny could hang out with Simone. They're kind of like both characters who have important things to do in their respective seasons of the show, but more by function of like how they relate to the men in their lives, unfortunately. Oh, and Linderman is 100% Charles Widmore. Yeah, obviously. That's very, very clear for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I think that right, makes well, sense considering that again the the dealings that Simone had with Linderman and considering that like uh Penny, you know, Charles Winmore has the painting hanging in his office could be a Simone original. 
Uh, it's very sad for some of the people who have been left behind this Christmas from the Lost cast. Uh, Michael and Walt have nowhere to go this holiday season, unfortunately. I guess they can just hang out with each other. Yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, it's odd, right? Because you think, oh, yeah, Micah equals Walt. But I feel like you said Saeed is a very good comparison. Juliet has no one to hang out with this holiday season. Did we miss out on somebody who's like a really obvious Juliet comparison? No, Juliet is L. Bishop. So unfortunately, we're not, uh-huh. <laughs> we're not dealing with her. No, I don't think it makes sense. She's initially perceived as like an enemy, right? She's a villain in season two. But then it turns out that we gain a lot more sympathy for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's for a holiday special at an alternate universe future time where we watched heroes season two but i don't think that that's really what's in our future do you want to talk about what is the ghost of christmas future for the down the hatch holiday special mike yes because i think it only be part and parcel with the future if we talk about some robots some robots Ooh, uh yeah robots are cool i would love to get a robot for christmas this year or any year mike uh, we I do have a robot. We Asher picked one up. It's a little robot that says Noel on it that sings a Christmas song every time you press its foot. And uh, it well, has been the bane of our existence for the past <laughs> days. I was saying it was adorable, but it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> well, sometimes that's how it goes with robots. Sometimes you think robots are here to help, and instead they are here to hurt. Uh, and the question of good robots versus bad robots is, bad ver- robot. is very much at the heart of, uh, of what we are looking to talk about next. So over the last several weeks of Down the Hatch, something has been coming up with some a measure of regularity as Mike and I are looking down the horizon of what could we be doing on Down the Hatch on the other side of Heroes Season 1? Because I think the two of us are very much in lockstep that we're only doing Heroes Season 1 episodically. That's what we said at the start of season one of Heroes. And I don't know, Mike, do you feel moved to move through seasons two and beyond based on what we're getting out of Heroes season one? Not particularly, no. I think we've been having a good time. I've been having a blast talking through Heroes season one, but it's definitely, you know, like not transcendent in the way that Lost is for me. No, and I think from that perspective, let's keep trying on clothes and not feel like we have to settle in the outfit we just put on. So, But I think before we go and commit to buying a whole new wardrobe, we want to try some sweaters on. Uh, And so that brings us to the ghost of immediate Christmas future, which could turn into the ghost of furtherly committed future in the further distant future. God, that was a horrible way of jumbling words together. Uh, But why don't we take a cue from a little bit of a Christmas carol to lead us into what's about to happen on Down the Hatch over the next few weeks of the podcast, Mike. Silent night, Colonel Tide. Battle star that's bracken right. Join Josh Wiggler and Michael Bloom They fly into the stars alongside. Gaius, Baltar, and Chief. And an Adama named Lee. 
Mike, we're doing it. Battlestar Galactica for the month of January 2023, baby. Bears, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica. That's we're doing at least it. one third of those in 2023. Do polar bears beat Battlestar Galactica? Well, we talked about polar bears. We do talk about, I guess, beatings that take place uh -huh. in Heroes, so it only makes sense that we move on to Battlestar Galactica. I do think polar bear beats Battlestar Galactica is a conversation that we could have in an ongoing basis should we end up going all the way in on Battlestar Galactica. But what Mike and I are doing, having talked about BSG a little bit here in the last couple of weeks, it has stuck with us. We're both very interested in the possibility of doing a deeper dive into BSG. Battlestar Galactica launched 20 years ago. The reboot did in 2003 uh, with the miniseries. It's a two-part miniseries. It's essentially four episodes of television crammed into two separate parts. Mike and I are going to watch the Battlestar Galactica miniseries. We're going to recap them over the course of a couple of podcasts. And we're using this sort of as like an early test pilot to see, is this something we would want to do on the other side of Heroes as we take a tiny little break from Heroes Season 1? Yeah, I am very excited. We talked about this in a previous podcast that I've seen a good amount of episodes of Battlestar Galactica, but I remember next to nothing about them, except infamously the fact that one of the pilots is nicknamed Hot Dog. Mm -hmm. But it's very exciting. Uh, I think a lot of people probably jumped into the series having not seen the quote-unquote miniseries, aka the two movies, essentially, that came before it. But does a really great job, if I remember correctly, of setting up the time we're in, the place we're in, and then namely how that all gets immediately upended and how people are attempting to not only get settled into the new normal, but try to figure out what the next goal is as things are consistently changing around them. I think one of the, so I love Battlestar Galactica. I was a latecomer to it. It was, you know, it, it launches roughly around the same time, a little bit uh, before Lost does. Uh, it, you know, they're contemporaries in, in many, many ways. I think a lot of people who loved Lost were watching Battlestar Galactica at the same time. There are some nitpicks to be had along the way with Battlestar Galactica. I think it gets accused of something of a rough landing, though I think maybe that's not totally fair. Certain elements of it are maybe a little bit harsh uh, and certainly intentionally deliberately harsh. The tone of it can be really, really intense. It's a very intense show in, in a lot of ways. It's also very goofy sometimes, such as uh, the fact that there is an important or like quasi important character named Hot Dog. Uh, there are certain episodes, uh, one in particular that you would encounter in season one that is a real lark and yet like historically kind of very important to Battlestar Galactica. And one of the things that I would be most excited about in re-engaging that show is it's a show that I don't remember like incredibly well, but I remember almost all of the really major beats. But I think a difference between how we would approach Battlestar Galactica versus how we approached Lost, Mike, is by and large, this would be something of a first watch for you. Yeah, so that's a brand new thing with both Heroes and with Lost. I have seen, uh, particularly in the realm of Lost, many, many times have not with Battlestar, so it would be something new, something that you and I have definitely broached separately on podcasts here in PSR, a first-time-slash-new-time series, which would be exciting because there are larger mysteries contained within Battlestar. Like you said, they are a bit contemporaries. They are perhaps each other's constants if we're doing more matchmaking. Not necessarily in the larger realm of, like, what does it all mean? 
more boiled down to like who is a Cylon, who is not a Cylon, but still creates a lot of intrigue happening. Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of uh, theorizing to do when it comes to Battlestar Galactica. There are huge reveals along the way. If you are not privy to those things, I would make sure not to go around Googling. I think you would want to save a lot of that stuff for yourself for future reveals. And I think that the podcast itself we would be able to do it in a way that was basically spoiler-free. Uh, if you've seen the show, there will be implications. For me, Mike, one of the big joys would be getting your takes live as we are cruising through the show. I think that you'll love it. I really do. I think that you'll really, really enjoy Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I really enjoy what I uh, got to take in You're so You're a huge far. Star Trek guy. Yeah, it's, so it's very much like it's very gritty, almost like Voyager vibes of like, not lost in space, but like, very much on a mission. We're not going Lark planet to planet. You know, there is a mission at the end of the day that you are beholden to. I remember enjoying a lot about the smattering of episodes that I've seen. Uh, it just came about at a time where I had so much going on where it sort of fell off my radar with, you know, actual new TV that I had to watch. So I'm excited to at least re-engage with it in this Seth Norris-esque pilot capacity, mm -hmm. right? So again, yeah. we are trying it out over the next two weeks. This is, it's not a commitment to a full series rewatch. We are going to watch the miniseries. It's going to be two podcasts talking through the Battlestar Galactica miniseries. And I think one of the important things that you and I are doing is like, is this something that we could talk about on an ongoing basis? I think it is, but we'll know for sure once we get into the weeds. So we're going to pilot it out. You're all going to be able to listen to us piloting it out. We hope you're going to join us for the journey to watch the Battlestar Galactica, uh, Galactica miniseries. It's on Peacock. It's on our friend Poppy Peacock. So uh, if you're watching Heroes hello, alongside hello, us. Welcome back. Mm -hmm, yep. You can watch alongside Poppy Peacock uh, to watch those uh, those couple of episodes of the miniseries. We're open to feedback. We would love to get feedback from everybody about their thoughts on Battlestar Galactica, what they love about it. Down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com if you want to email it in. I know for a lot of people in the Down the Hatch orbit, BSG is one of those holy grail types of shows. So we hope that people are excited about it. And we hope that the people who don't know the show very well are at least curious enough to hear what Mike and I have to say as we are all going to be going on a brief sojourn together, a little bit of a new adventure. And then mid-January, we are going to resume our Heroes Season 1 coverage. We'll be back with our Heroes Season 1 coverage on January 22nd is when that is going to resume with Episode 12. What was that? Godsend is what that's called? Yeah, I believe we're going to get the appearance of another uh, Damon Lindelof mainstay. I believe Christopher Eccleston. Claude is finally going to grace us with his invisible Reverend presence. Matt. Yeah, Reverend Matt's going to be showing up. There's a up. reason he has not appeared yet. It's going to be very, very fun to get into, into that in a few weeks. We'll also resume chronologically lost when we pick heroes back up for the Battlestar Galactica miniseries coverage, which I think is going to take a, another week or so to get off the ground. I'm going to be traveling a little bit, so you can expect that around the second uh, the top of the second week of January I think is when we're going to be launching that coverage taking a week off before then uh, I think that you're going to enjoy that and we're going to be pretty focused on BSG I'm sure lost to Jason McCormick material will leak into the conversation but these are formidable episodes of TV that we have to sink our teeth into Mike so I think it's going to be very very Battlestar focused Oh, yeah, we've got an hour and a half of television to talk about in each podcast. Yeah, it's a lot. It's going to be really, really, really fun. So we hope that you're as excited about that as we are. And we hope that you had fun with the Down the Hatch holiday special. This was a blast, Mike. 
Yeah, I really liked how much of a grab bag this is. Not to say that any of our previous podcasts are not grab bags, considering, again, the tangents that we go off on. But I thought this was a nice way to talk about essentially what we've been talking about this entire time. Uh, I really liked getting to go back to Lost. I know we do it in Chronologically Lost, but it felt different to me watching Aloha to Lost. Maybe it's because I ended up watching this back last year initially right when we finished it and it kind of took me back to that time where there was like only open expansive land in front of us but i really enjoyed that really enjoyed getting to you know compare it to heroes explicitly even though we do it many many times over the course of our heroes coverage and looking ahead to something different you know we're both sharks in a manner of speaking we we can't stay still when it comes to always be moving yeah covering television and so and we're dharma sharks in that way and so I'm excited to to take a brief sojourn aboard, uh, you know, Colonel Adama's ship for a brief period of time before we get back to what's going on with Peter Petrelli and the gang. It's going to be a super fun time. We hope you are on board with us for this next adventure before we resume the heroes coverage. Follow Mike. He is at a Mike Bloom type. Mike, what do you got going on right now? Yeah, so I'm doing wrap-up stuff on the reality TV end as well for 2022. Did a fun, big, chonky podcast with Rob Cesarino and Shannon Gus talking about all four Survivor seasons, U.S. and International, that aired in 2022. Also going to be doing a podcast with Rob and Jessica doing uh, The Amazing Race in 2022. And Rob and I are going to end the year with our annual tradition now. We're going to do a brand steal with the stars of the year certainly featuring i think some notable characters from some shows that have been highlighted on the psr best of 2022 series that josh mentioned before i have been all over that this week between covering stranger things and westworld with you uh doing the star wars coverage with rich and latanya and brendan i think next up i'm doing lord of the rings the rings of power with rich and taylor so yeah it's been a fantastic way to get to look back on just this incredible year of television even though we didn't talk about that within this we focus primarily on shows that have aired you know 15 to two decades ago mm-hmm. it's it's just been a fun year to talk tv in general well lost and heroes were very relevant in 2022 to post show recaps perhaps battlestar galactica is going to be the very relevant show to talk about in uh 2023 in review uh one year from now it's still wild to me to think that we're talking one year on from finishing the end of lost it feels in so many ways mike like it was just yesterday It really does. And thank you to everybody that has been following us on this journey. I know I talked about it a little while back, but, you know, twice this year I've had the opportunity to go to RHAP live events and get to meet Hatchlings in the flesh for one of the first times since, like, Josh and I started this project back in mid-2019. And it is just so special. Again, this would not exist without all you all, everybody out there and whether or not you're on board to hop uh with the cylons for battlestar galactica for these next couple of weeks if you're like me where you're a first timer or if you're a veteran like josh i hope you get to join us you know have we led you astray before besides all the many times we have 100 108 percent we have but it always leads to somewhere weird uh and hopefully worthwhile and i think that this will be very much the same. So I reflect everything that Mike just said. This is such a delight to do this podcast each and every week. Knowing that there was life beyond finishing the Lost Rewatch has been such a rewarding experience for the both of us. And we wish all of you hatchlings a happy holidays and an even happier new year. Until next time, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.
She took my baby! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.